Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Check Engine Podcast. It's the only podcast produced by three winners of IMSA's Spirit of the Race Award and, as of this past weekend, the only podcast that can be found on an AMG GT4 in the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> we made it. We made it. We'd, we got to go over our timeline real quick at some point in this episode, just how we got to that point. But oh, for sure. Coming up later. So we are not a professional motoring podcast. Um, we don't work for any uh, magazines. We don't work for any race teams or car companies. We're just fanboys who love talking about cars. And uh, we want you to uh, join in the discussion with us. Um, you can find us. Go to our website. We got a website now. It's checkenginepodcast.com. It'll give you links to anywhere you want to go to catch us, to listen, to find us on social. Um, main hub, of course, is anchor.fm. To my left, I've got one co-host, Andrew. We're sporting a hat this evening, mm-hmm. which is unlike you. How are you doing? I'm feeling inspired. I feel refreshed from our weekend at the racetrack. I'm, I'm ready. And sitting across the table from us is our visibly annoyed producer, Tristan, <laughs> from all the pre- pre-show shenanigans. <laughs> we, Tristan. Fi- we finally started recording this episode, and I am relieved. <laughs> I'm <laughs> also happy to be back from the races. As, as Andrew mentioned, it's, it's always a refreshing experience. It, it gets you back to why... We're doing this. Yeah, exactly. Even if we are uh, at the end of the work week plus the travel week, a little slappy. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're a little <laughs> off the wall here, so that's why Tristan is very visibly annoyed. Sorry, Tristan. <laughs> but we are going to get into this. So before we went to Mid-Ohio, we did a preview episode of what we were looking for. Um, hopefully you guys stayed up to date with all the posts and pictures and videos and um, reporting if you want to call it that, we were doing from the racetrack. But tonight we're going to do a, uh, a post-race recap for you. Um, we're going to kind of circle it back to our racetrack episode, what makes a good racetrack, and we're going to kind of go through criteria by criteria that we listed out there and throw Mid-Ohio into each one of those and see how it turned out. Um, but before we get into that, as always, we'd like to start with some pace laps. So um, any major news tidbits we want to hit on today yeah uh, a huge one actually ford is suspending production of their f-150 and and does anyone know if it's the rest of the f truck line it is the f series at least many i know at least most of them some of the super duties are also affected as well But yeah there was a uh a rather tragic fire at a factory in Taiwan. Uh, was it five firefighters? I don't, thought it was in It was Michigan. in Michigan. Well, there was one in Taiwan as well. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Man, Ford just cannot happened. catch a break. Yeah, because the one I read about was an electronics company in oh, Michigan. This is, no, this is interesting. We're actually talking about two, two different... Two separate yeah, things. <laughs> there are two, supply, two major supply chain... Uh, yeah, in Taiwan, uh, five Taiwanese firefighters died going into this building that then um, kind of exploded a little bit. And, um, Godspeed guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the bravest and all that, but yeah, so that was going to affect their supply chain. Ford was the first company on the ground, but this, uh, factory also made parts for FCA and f- I, several other manufacturers. I can't quite remember which ones. I think some GM branches, of course. Sure. Um, so that was one disruption, but then you guys have another. Yeah. There's a, that make, uh, Driver information components, you know, dashboard pieces. Light dashboard electronics uh, outside of Lansing, I think. It was somewhere in Michigan. It was Michigan. That caught Uh, fire. It was not far from the the home of Ford, for sure. Um, Yeah, fire there as well, which brought their production line to a stop. That one, I don't believe there were anything serious coming from that one other than a halt in production. 
Uh, right, no, yeah. at least the, from what we read, no injury, major injuries or anything reported like that to the actual people who work there, thankfully. But, um, yeah, so Ford is halting production on, well, their entire F-Series, but the, the F-150 is that one vehicle does a quarter of their global sales, and they can't make it for the time being. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what the... Uh... There's a, last time I checked, there's about an 80-day supply Wow, um, that's more than I thought, actually. Yeah, it's not long, but it's they've still got some to sell. Well, you got to remember what the statistic was: uh, one every minute. Yeah, it's a sold. lot of trucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so an eight day supply up at if that's still the going rate is quite a few trucks. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, still a lot of trucks. Um, but I personally, I think just because because of the eighty day supply, how long is it going to take to get these plants back up and running? I have no idea. But almost three months where the dealerships don't necessarily need more trucks. I mean, it's it's a nasty-looking headline. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, you don't want it to happen, because obviously, it's something that's completely out of Ford's control. But it's it once you dig into it and read the story, it, it's not the worst deal, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I and think it, consumers might catch a bit of burn from this, because dealers are going to be able to basically make it charge whatever they want to because it's like oh i'll just wait okay how long are you gonna wait there might not be any in 90 days you know, whatever you know? right that's a, so, that's a good point yeah that you know. that it, that's the trickle down that i'm concerned about is that all of a sudden there is a brand new level of scarcity on a ford f-150 yeah something you thought you'd never hear right, right. <laughs> like it, it was the most commoditized to use ford boilerplate yeah quotes it is the most commoditized vehicle in their lineup basically and now all of a sudden it's becoming scarce like overnight literally like that yeah so here's that was exciting here's something i was thinking about we know that ford is going all out to raise their stock price not in two years not at the end of the year this exact second this is (laughs) their stock price is going to fall based off of this yep when you lose a volume seller and yes there's a 80-day supply or whatever it was but you have to think a lot of those F-150 sales are fleet vehicles. Do yes. you think they build more of those because they're fleet, or do they build less because they're not, you know, they're not lot, and they just run, they do production runs, essentially, of fleet vehicles, so base models with basically all two of wheel, the... You know, two-wheel drive, non-crew cab. Or all know. of the workers' parts in it, with the four-wheel drive, the added, you know, the yeah. increased radiator size, all that stuff. I don't, I don't know how the trucks are manufactured. But you'd have to, I would almost have to think that those fleet trucks, because they're configured differently, are done in different runs. So the question would then become, what do they really have? And uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what happens, because if, if they do take a hit in the commercial sector, in the fleet sector, that's going to, I think, maybe hit their stock price even harder than if some customers can't buy the trucks they're looking for. Yeah. But more on that as it develops. More yeah. on that as it develops. It's really all we know at this point is, hey, there was a fire. Ford cannot produce F-Series for the foreseeable future, the near future. Um, so, yeah, as we get more details on that, you know, keep tuning in for more updates as we go. Um, any other news tidbits or neat cars before we dive into the episode? I, I have been really wanting to find neat cars. And outside of uh, what we... To be clear, we saw a lot of neat cars at Mid-Ohio, say, there will which be we'll some, get into. We'll say there <laughs> yeah, will be exactly. some neat cars coming. But uh, We saw a fleet of Ford GTs. Yeah, a, for, a bunch for, of them. For example. For yeah. example. But uh, that's all part of the track. Outside of that, you know, even though we had some really nice weather, it then got 
cold and rainy, and I haven't seen anything that cool in a while. I've got... Well, you guys, tell me how, how neat this is. So... From not to that's pretty neat. I, I, yeah, okay. We'll use that scale. Okay, here we go. So, first impression. GMC Yukon Denali. Why bring it up? Yeah, not neat. Slammed to the point that it looks essentially just like a giant station wagon. I'm actually less interested. All right, then we'll stop talking about it. But that's what I saw. It, it's certainly odd car news. Stance Nation. That's that's why that's why I said I don't know if it's neat or not. Do you have some... extreme camber? Was it was it actually stanced or was it just lowered? It was just lowered, like almost zero clearance on a Yukon. Why? Do you think it was bagged? Oh, maybe the air suspension for those who <clears throat> don't know the parlance. Maybe the patois. Maybe I don't know, but. <laughs> That's really the best one I've got in the past, outside of the See, racetrack. that's so. evidence. It's been dry on the streets. So there we yeah, go. That's it. That's Fine. all we've got. So we'll, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to eliminate the pace laps for this episode. The green is coming out, and we are going to review our weekend in mid-Ohio, which I think, coming back, we were all pretty stoked on. It was a pretty successful weekend through and through. It was very different than every track we've been to so far. And we'll get into uh, why as we go. Yeah. Um, we want to just kick it off with some just general takeaways from the weekend, just kind of high level, first thing that comes to mind. Yeah, sure. Um, walking. <laughs> walking. Walking. <laughs> if uh, I could choose one word to describe Mid-Ohio, it would be walking. Here's the thing about Mid-Ohio. They, you hear a lot from uh, your parents, you know, when they're giving you these stories about their youth, how everything was uphill both ways. Mid-Ohio is actually uphill, uphill both, both ways. ways. Yeah. There's a yeah. lot of elevation at that racetrack <laughs> in a very small space. What are you doing in Ohio that the hills all go up? <laughs> <laughs> they don't go back down. They only go <laughs> up again. How is that again? possible? <laughs> what I'm saying. I don't know. Uh, yeah, but that's uh, my main takeaway is there's a lot of, a lot of interesting walking. Um, driven primarily by the fact, I think, that other tracks would have this kind of issue um by the fact that they park all of your general admission people in the same lot way out at the front of the track and you've got to walk you know, burn your car walk everywhere um mm -hmm. you know they, so they did that that's you know that's kind of the biggest takeaway as a as a negative i'd say the the biggest for me you know positive takeaway is the direct result all of that elevation change makes for very good racing that is a very technical track and it's fun to watch when, when you can see it. Right. Mm -hmm. Andrew, takeaway. Um, my my takeaway, and this sounds like shade thrown at Mid-Ohio, but it's really not. And obviously we'll talk about it more as we get through. I still forget that Road America is a terrible comparison <laughs> to bring anywhere. Yeah. It's because... <laughs> rough baseline for everybody else. <laughs> and, and the reason is that... And again, why I forget this, I don't know. The reason is that IMSA, as you pointed out to me, Nick, bring people who want to host IMSA events to Road America and say, this is how we want our event hosted. Because they just put the most effort into it. Right. While not making it seem like... It's, it looks very effortless. It looks like this event just popped up organically out of the ground and uh, like it was meant to be it's there. It's seamless. Yeah. It's very seamless how they do it. And... Also, you have to, I mean, every track is a different story. Do they have the space? Do they have the capacity? Exactly. Do they have the facilities to do what Road America does? But yeah, IMSA 
the reason they do all of their schedule announcements and big series announcements for the following year at Road America, and Scott Atherton has said this on during these announcements, is because Road America is our baseline. It is the example that we use for the other venues. Yeah, and the only reason I bring that up is because I am very aware of the fact that Mid-Ohio had many really good qualities, and it was better than... Mm-hmm. Some of the tracks that some of the other tracks that I've gone to, and some of the tracks that you two have gone to as well, but um, I always come in with Road America in my head, and I I try to not do that <laughs> because it really ruins what's actually in front of you. Uh, so that that's my one takeaway. I still struggle with not bringing that in, and once I did get rid of that, I did find a lot to enjoy. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, I've got three quick main points. Number one. Uh, when it wants to be, Lexington, Ohio is the windiest place on the planet. Holy crap, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't think ever in my life have I had to ki- stop myself from falling and stop the hat from blowing off my head at the same time. Yeah, in opposite directions. In opposite <laughs> directions. <laughs> like, I think it was the highest straight line speed for wind ever recorded in human history on Friday. Insane. Um, point number two, the average weight of the bees in Ohio is about six and a half pounds. That is also true. The the bees were bigger than the heads on our microphones. That was horrifying. It was crazy. <laughs> and number three, and I don't know why I didn't notice this before, because it has nothing to do with mid-Ohio. It takes our good friend Tristan here about a million years to get out of a car when we stop. <laughs> <laughs> He's got that dicky hip, though. <laughs> it does. Don't worry. So does he. Okay, listen. <laughs> listen. I Exactly one time, I said, now nah, my hip's kind of sore. Exactly <laughs> as many times as you said, my listen, hip's kind of sore. but... Yep, so no. that's nothing there. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it takes me a million years because I'm also carrying everything. I have I have the the cooler and, you know, everything else that I'm gathering up to go. We did so. watch a whole race while you're getting out of the car. No, you time. didn't. <laughs> <laughs> These two men are liars, <laughs> and I will not stand for this. Just We're, we're just going to keep needling at him. He's already annoyed, so we're just going to keep rolling with it. Um. So those are some key takeaways, I think. Well, about maybe... the state of Ohio and me. Do you have any takeaways about you know <laughs> about the track? Mid Ohio? No, no. I mean, okay. We're gonna get we're gonna dig into that <laughs> once we get into the uh, the the meat of this episode here. So yeah, mm. um, if you guys remember barbecue mm, meat, and that's that's we'll has to do with it. We'll get there too. <laughs> um, so if you, dear listener, remember our um i think it was episode four we did on the racetracks it the title is the good the bad and the watkins Glen." if you haven't heard it yet go look it up Mm -hmm. (laughs) um we kind of broke it down in like how to evaluate a racetrack from a fan perspective into four buckets um the first is just um general location there's atmosphere slash hospitality um, there's the, the wow factor. Is there something that really makes your eyes pop or your jaw drop when you walk through the gate? Um, and then of course, like raceability is the track actually fun to watch cars drive on. Um, so we're going to kind of take each one of those topics and just throw mid Ohio in there and see how we see how it comes out. So, um, we'll just start right from the top of the list here and go with, uh, location. So, um, the actual plot of land that the track sits on, um, Yays, nays, what, what do we think? I gotta say, uh, I was stunned by how beautiful the area was. Yes. And in terms of shade layout, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, it was actually pretty good at the track. It was very pastoral. There were some pine forests. There were... Pine uh, forests, deciduous trees. Uh, trees still standing, <laughs> very much unlike VIR, where they just clear-cut all the trees. Uh, I don't... I don't know that I want to give too much away, because it kind of goes into the raceability of the track, but that same setting has a pretty serious downside when it comes to viewing area. Yeah, I mean, I would say that's the only... I prefer this type of terrain and type of surrounding for a racetrack. I think it falls into the same category for me as, you know, everybody's favorite, yeah, Road America, um, Road Atlanta, uh, mm-hmm. VIR, and this, and to a certain extent, Watkins Glen. They've got some bigger cleared areas because they've been a high-profile NASCAR track and stuff like that for a while. So they've got big areas cleared for grandstands and stuff. But, you know, where you've got... You know, trees. You've got rolling hills. You've got grass. It's it's a park with a racetrack in the middle of it, and I appreciate that layout. Yeah, we'll get to the the fan experience later, but from a just plot of land upon which to set a racetrack and put me in it, I I give it high marks. Yeah, I, I agree. And what surprised me was um, the track itself is kind of compact. I mean, yeah. for a road course at just over two and a quarter miles that's not a lot of room on a road course and the fact that the the elev- they found a spot where in a two and a half two point two ish mile layout you could have that much elevation change mm-hmm. i mean if anybody saw the race or has seen a race at mid ohio on tv or streaming or something it does not do it justice i no. mean and we had to walk out that way to get to the car you know, every day, but that walk from turn one out to turn two, the keyhole, yes. was a steep uphill climb. It was. Yes. Um, and then down by turn four, that four, five, six S's complex was, I mean, a corner after a corner after a corner. There's no rest for the driver, but somehow in between there, they were changing elevation each time. They're going downhill, yeah. uphill, downhill, uphill, downhill, <laughs> uphill, down. I every mean, corner it, has a has an elevation change. It was, yeah, I mean, yeah. you hear... Oh, it's a roller coaster, but n- no. I mean, if you made this track a actual roller coaster, it would be a damn good one. It would yeah. be pretty, just add a loop or something in there, and yeah, yeah. Think, you know, a steeper put a, uphill, put a loop, put a loop in the keyhole, put a loop yeah, in the keyhole, uh, and you're good to go. That's it. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. It, um, yeah, and yes, scenic, um, farm country. You know, is what I took from it. I mean, those ton of farmland in and around. Um, you know, no neighbors close to complain about the <laughs> yeah. noise. Yeah. For anybody um, familiar with general Ohio, it's kind of in the Hocking Hills area, so it's the more hilly, interesting part of Ohio, um, and very beautiful. They've got you know state parks and a bunch of other stuff around there, much like the Kettle Moraine here, the the hills outside of Atlanta for Road Atlanta, things like that. Upstate New York for Watkins Glen. Oh, upstate New York grab is gorgeous. The, grab the most scenic part of a state and put a road put a road course in it. Apparently, that's what I like. Yeah, well, because it works. That's what a lot of people like. There's yeah. a reason the track's been here since the '60s. Exactly. I mean, so location, thumbs up from everybody. Yeah. Right, right swipes. Definitely. And the USDA choice. It was good. Yeah. Very good. Um, so let's pop in then to atmosphere slash hospitality. So this is um, overall fan experience, fun factor, the access, the viewing areas, the concessions. Um, accommodations, um, surrounding towns, those types of things. Um, where do we stand? Where does mid Ohio stand? I guess on that. Um, I thought 
our Airbnb was fabulous. We had yeah. someone's hunting cabin, basically, or hiking cabin. Yes. It was great. I loved it. I'll put in the, uh, as a little shout-out to the guy, very tolerant, putting up with three race fans in his house for a weekend. I'll put the link to his Airbnb in the show description. Yeah, that'd be and, great. Um, if anybody heads to this area... Fantastic place to stay. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Highly, highly recommend. Um, yeah. That was nice. Uh, the surrounding towns were interesting. Quaint. Yeah. Quaint, yeah. <laughs> many, many, many brick buildings. The roads we got to drive back, it was pretty fun, actually. Yeah. Even in a top-heavy trailblazer, they were <laughs> kind of fun to rip around on. I'll say that. Um, Viewing is where I get very hung up. Yeah. And I just want to mention that I get hung up in it before we get to the hospitality, because that's really good, and I want to end on a high note, but there are two places to watch the race at Mid-Ohio. The Keyhole... And um, just inside, just inside the track by, uh, what turn was that? That would be 4-5. Four, 4-5 five. Five complex there? Yeah. yeah. That's the it. Whole, the whole back side of the track, you can get two or three corners in. It's, you know, we talked about it with the elevation change. It, it would be a downfall of, you know, a lot of road courses. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of places, it still is. Um because they haven't made an investment in screens. Um, we like to talk about Road America, but, you know, really it's that, you know, middle, that heart of Road America has some good views, but if you get out into the carousel or out into Canada Corner, you're only seeing those features in a lot of places, but Road America has made an investment in fan experience that I think we go back to Mr. Atherton talking about we want it to be this way, um, where they have... They're still improving the loudspeakers, but they have loudspeakers everywhere. Mm-hmm. They have screens, most importantly, showing the action that you can't see from where you are. Mm-hmm. So you can hit a high name corner, like like hey, this is a really famous corner. I want to go see the carousel. I want to go see Canada Corner at Road America, and there's a screen there, so you can enjoy the rest of the race while getting to see that iconic corner. Yep. And I agree that where Mid Ohio could stand to improve a little bit is with screen placement size and quantity um because there are lots of great things to see that are only one or two corners it'd be fun to go watch racing there but it would require hiking all over the track to see the race one corner at a time because there's there are two screens Mm -hmm. in the whole place and that's where we went on friday when we were kind of getting the lay of the land when we weren't getting blown over yeah was going into their version of the carousel there was that footbridge yeah. on the very back side. We were, kind of, we were standing on the inside there. That was actually a pretty neat viewing spot because they're, <clears throat> excuse me, to our left they were cresting a hill. Yep. So you could see them. The cars are getting light. Um, how they're putting the power down. Quick left-hand jog into a tr- right-handed trail-breaking area. The guys were really working through there, and that would be fun to watch, but that's the only part of it you can see. Yep. And there was no screen back there, so you had, and I don't, think i heard any loudspeakers there either i don't remember that either. so i mean until a minute and a half goes by and you see that same car or group of cars come back around you have no idea what went on yeah was there a lead change did someone pit who knows right yeah and and once you get into longer races you no longer know what position you're watching (laughs) yeah once you get you, you can look at the position lights but again we're talking about road courses where it's not a street course where you're crammed into a city street they had the space to build up runouts, barriers, and fences, so you're not super close to the cars necessarily, so some of those position lights are hard to see. Mm-hmm. You know, they help on TV with telephoto lenses, but in person, they're not super helpful. Yeah. So so the viewing, I guess the, if we want to call it a gripe, it is not the actual track, like no. the, the, the 
views from where you stand on the track of the track. It's the facilities and operations yeah. making some more investment. Something that I've actually, I was actually very pleased by, you know, kind of trying to, you know, you know, one from column A, one from column B, complaints and positives. Uh, they had excellent construction of their viewing berms, grandstands. Yes. You know, when, when mm-hmm. you were, you know, we've been places where when you're next to the track, you can't see anything because you're below track level. Or yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like well, why am I here? I can't see anything. You know, like, like you have a worse view at the track than you have on TV, mm-hmm. you know? And I think this, this had, they had excellent earthworks Very done true. to get people high enough that they could they could see what they were what there to see mm-hmm. i think that's a big positive they spent a lot of time investing in in that but so, the, so the technology they, side so yeah <laughs> so they invested a lot so you could see where you're standing now they need to invest a little bit so you can see where you're not standing and maybe yeah. that's the next thing. That's right? the next yeah. step. You pointed and that even, out. And then I said, even that was not a hallmark of Road America until they got, Very recently. They got some reinvestment recently, probably because of the return of IndyCar. Um, yeah, I, know, I think, yeah, they and, made a... You know, that, that's a relatively new thing for even, you know, near and dear to our hearts. Um, but I think once they get those screens, we're going to move on to hospitality next. And I think that's going to that's gonna make it a pretty complete package if they can get better... Better screens or more screens. Right. So viewing, um, you want to talk about concessions or access? Because there's there we got some stories with access. Concessions, I think, is is an easy one just because it kind of goes into hospitality. And yeah. they had they had a lot of that. They had the big patron tent, which we haven't seen in a while. Nope. <laughs> um, they had you know concessions like Chipotle, which I was very surprised Surprising. to see at a track. Your standard. Uh, Snack concessions, track know, food. Yeah, yeah, they had dogs, you know as we in the track tracks episode we kind of griped about Watkins having like one snack bar open. All of the major snack bars they don't have like the extra overflow ones where you can like only buy a beer on a packed NASCAR weekend, but right. all the main snack bars were open mm-hmm. when and, we were there. Uh, they brought in their local. We had the barbecue place, uh, yep. smoking dicks. That's the most the, impressive. The food truck, the food trailer oh. part. I mean, even Road America doesn't do that. No, right. I think so, that would be right. something that they could. That bring, might be the know. next step for Road America. But, but yeah, that was the, a really good idea. They have the locally run stands, so you've got some of that at Road America. But yeah, bringing in food trucks, where you get really unique stuff. You get crazy awesome donuts from a local bakery yeah, what was the name of that bakery uh, eight yeah. sisters eight sisters yep. eight sisters, eight sisters yeah. bakery and smoking dicks barbecue Oof. smoked mac and cheese my lord oh my god the yeah. best mac and cheese i've ever had I've in my thought life about that every day yeah i was really I'm trying good. to recreate it at home <laughs> <laughs> and, and tristan actually told me to keep him away from the eight sisters donuts i don't have the self because he he wanted me to be his self-control because yeah. the donuts were so good well you got the what was it the maple it was a uh, maple uh, cinnamon roll, massive. So family and dear dear friends who know me well know that I would not be able to control myself. So yeah, <laughs> that's, and that's a ten, honestly. Yeah. Smoking smoking dicks barbecue. If that was the only thing there, that would have been enough for me. Because that's all we ate the whole <laughs> yeah, weekend. That's, <laughs> that's literally all we ate. I ate salads until yesterday just to try to make up, <laughs> just cleanse it, just to try to cleanse it. Um, yeah, smoked mac and cheese. I had a pork tato, ladies and gentlemen. Um, a, I didn't even a, know that was a thing. A giant baked potato with pulled pork, barbecue sauce, coleslaw, sour cream, cheese, and bacon bits. Oh, 
Their sauce was great. All right, this is a food podcast. Yeah, now. yeah. I don't even want to talk about anyway. So after the cooking, after the cooking, <laughs> so we did cons- the Airbnb <laughs> and the discussion of the food trucks. Uh, we are now the I don't know Czech Kitchen podcast. I don't know something. Yeah, Czech stove. We're a food podcast now. <laughs> the Czech stove podcast. Um, that brings us really. The last thing here is for the atmosphere hospitality section is access and. Yeah. Hot damn, did we get some access this weekend. <laughs> that was the best. Um, IMSA, you know, typical for every IMSA race weekend. Um, paddock was open. Mm-hmm. There's nobody um, checking. Like, we kept our tickets in the car. Yeah. Yep. Like, we, we scanned them to get in the gate. We left them in the car. No one checked anywhere. We could just, wherever we wanted to go, gates were open. Come on in. Take a closer look. Have a great time. Um, About the strongest thing we saw in war in regards to don't go here was a strongly worded tensa barrier saying you know this is the um uh hold area after the races the yeah. you know mm-hmm. saying you can't go in here oh the tech line yeah, the post race yeah, tech line yeah, and the parts dump yes <laughs> yes but it was like don't um please don't grab things from here unless you're a race team Please. There wasn't anybody standing there. I could have grabbed a fender if I wanted to. I mean, right. like, you know, there was, it was just, it was like a, a tensile barrier and a strongly worded printout. And then mm-hmm. that was about as crazy as the restrictions on access got. I gotta say, I liked the mid-Ohio garage layout. Yes. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, they started with the weather tech cars. I don't know how they do it. They just basically did top down. Everyone had one and they were kind of shallow. But they were exactly the right size for the car and the and the uh, tool chest to sit on either side, and then they worked. It looked pretty contentedly with the uh, removable parts outside of the garages. Yeah, yeah. The cars and the tools were all in the garage area, and then oh right, all like we the, showed on the video. I mean, yeah. it was very cool to see in person. And all the spares and the hospitality areas for executives and stuff were across the across the alley. <laughs> Plus, just the, the the look of the garages, like they just. It was like in somebody's garage at their house, just like a general overhead door. It wasn't yep. something state of the art. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. They've probably been touched up a little bit since they were built in the '60s, but I mean, it was just like an old barn or an old, you know, literally like someone's garage that you'll yeah. find out, you know, just driving past someone's house. And yeah, cool. And we doors been... on both sides, so you can walk to the other side of the building and look in the other side and get a closer look at. Oh man, this they're working on the transmission on this one, or yeah. I think we know, post- something out the back. I think we posted a photo, or you might have seen it in the video. But like I, for example, found out that the uh, um, uh, LMP cars just use like Olympic standard weight plates. For BOP weight additions yeah, on the back of the funny. car, there's <laughs> just funny. like you, you, there's like weight collars and just weight plates on the back of the car to adjust overall weight, and it's like, well, that's a surprise, and I never, <laughs> never seen that before because most of the garages at a lot of IMSA races are one sided. You don't get to see the back of the car; they're 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 backed in, nose out, and you can see a lot of stuff, but you can't necessarily see the back end when they're in the garages. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, obviously, so yeah, the garages were really cool. Um, and, and then layout, you get layout, out too. Yeah, the layout was compact because it's a compact track. You don't have to walk down a four mile long avenue of garages. There's like three or four garages next to each other, and then there's another layer. Another They're row. all kind of stacked yeah. on top of each other versus a hugely long. I did kind of like that. You know, in because I'm a vampire, sun baked, you know, paved paddock that makes me want to just shrivel into a raisin. And there is a little something to be said for the interior of the track being so compact. Yeah. 
because one of the one of the major flaws of Road America is that if you want to go to Canada Corner, if you want to go to the carousel, or if you want to do both, good luck doing it during a race. <laughs> you're going to be driving and sitting in actual traffic yeah. during the race because they're very far apart. <laughs> yeah, very true. <laughs> very true. So, the, yeah, the fact that the track is shorter, you can just walk there. Mm-hmm. In a two-hour and 45-minute race, you could just potentially... If they had more screens, I'll say it again, mm-hmm. wander around the entire perimeter of the track and kind of soak up the whole thing because it's not that long. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, as is you know, prevalent in all IMSA races, the, the grid walk and the, uh, the pit, hot pit access pre-race, which was, especially on the Saturday race, the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge race that really sealed the deal is why this was a freaking awesome weekend for us absolutely probably the highlight of the weekend Mm -hmm. absolutely um anybody who is following us on social media will know where we're going where we're going with this but if you haven't followed it um or if you didn't pay attention to what i said in the intro in the open of this um well i mean andrew you found the team so if if you want to kind of i did um i'm trying to remember the first year i went to road america was 15 2015. Um, Sounds r- yeah right. Yeah, I remember we were doing the fourteen. Fourteen because we've already camped three times. Oh, you're right, you're right. Yeah, because so, yeah, because then fifteen, in, you did the Watkins traveling yep, race with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So fourteen, uh, we were doing the grid walk for Continental, and there was a Cayman, a Porsche Cayman, black with yellow uh, yellow stripes on the side. And on the back, across the, you know, basically the three-part back, it said, drive yourself happy. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, I'm going to take a picture of that. And I used it as my Facebook cover photo for a year. Go back the next year. They had it on a different car. I think it was, I think it was another Cayman that year. Yeah, I think that's when they moved to the orange and black. Yeah, that's when they moved to orange yeah. and black. Uh, so I'm realizing it's the same team. It's Mosing Motor Cars. Murillo Racing. Well, see, that's the thing. Originally, it was Mosing. He was, when he went to the orange and... Uh, white and orange and black. Then it was a team up with I think okay, Morello Morello. Racing. Um, but yeah, so different car, but still had the logo on the back. Drive yourself happy. Take a picture. Use it as my Facebook <laughs> cover photo for a year. It's kind of become a tradition. So um, this year during practice, I realized they had it in a really cool spot on this AMG Mercedes. It it's kind of in the corner. You know, he, he moves where it is. It's on been on the top. It's been on the side. It's been across the back. Um, so I wanted to get a picture of that, and so the gridwalk starts, and I beeline it uh, as best I can to this car and sneak around the back and take a picture. And I don't even know who it was that who had the idea. I think it might have been Tristan. Was it you? I noted that. Hey, that orange looks kind of like somebody else's orange. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we know. We know. We know someone who has an orange logo. Yeah, and. Um, <laughs> Nick, uh, being the social butterfly and the salesperson that he is, goes up and asks one of the crew people if they, you know, wouldn't terribly mind if we put the sticker on the car. And they said, "Well, why don't you ask the man himself?" Meanwhile, Andrew and I are watching in, in, in ho- what I would describe as hopeful horror. Uh, it was cowering. It was. It, it was, it was they hope- were kind of cowering away. It was cowering. They it were was- almost ducking behind another car. Yeah, it, yeah. it, it was. It was hopeful horror. So, we couldn't believe he was doing well, it, this, but we really the, wanted him to. The conversation <laughs> really came out of one of us had the idea. I think it was Andrew said, you know, we should, we would buy Drive Yourself Happy bumper stickers for our own car. That's right, yeah. Yep. So, I've, been, I've been wanting to get one because it's kind of a, you know, not to 
get into you know personal issues, but it, it's something that means something to me as a person who has problems with anxiety and depression. It means something to me. It's something I do for my own health, and um, that's it's kind of become a personal mantra, mantra for me in a way that I saw it on the car, and it's actually it was to me like. Oh, shit. Yeah. Other people do this, too. Uh-huh. Yep. And, um, yeah, so we went to talk to... Uh, Mr. Jeff Mosing. Mr. Jeff Mosing himself, the drive-yourself-happy guy, to... Uh... Yeah, so basically, <laughs> um, we went up, and we, we just asked him, we're like, is, is there any plans to sell drive-yourself-happy logos as a bumper sticker? Because you have... You have three sales right in front of you, and I'm sure knowing this crowd, you could probably do pretty well with it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he had said, you, the friendliest guy you're ever going to meet, you know, this is a guy who doesn't just run the team, but he also drives the car. He was minutes away from hopping into a professional race, mm -hmm. and here he is talking to us about bumper stickers or potential <laughs> bumper stickers. Um, you know, very accommodating guy. He's, he said, you know, we're actually thinking about it. We just hired a new marketing PR girl, here's my, here's the team email, reach out to us here, we're, there's kind of some things in the works, we don't want to really announce anything yet, he's like, if you want some, you know, email us at this email, we can put something together for you, but he, and he kind of ended his statement, it's like, it's kind of an overall new marketing plan for the team that we're working on, and remembering what Tristan said about our orange logo, I said to him, speaking of marketing, um, the that's, that's what it was. The, the orange on your car happens... I, I actually had a little heart attack when you said that. I was like, oh my god! <laughs> He's gonna do it! <laughs> my, my eyes popped open and I took exactly one half step backwards. Yeah, I think, yeah. <laughs> Unconsciously. So, I mean, what's the... Look, as someone who was trained in sales, the 99.9% .9 of the time, the worst thing that's gonna happen is someone says no. Mm -hmm. Ask for the and sale. And we had that too. <laughs> so, we, we'll get to that too. Um, but I just said, speaking of marketing, it seems like the orange on our logo matches the orange on your AMG very well. I, I think this would fit nicely somewhere. And expecting him just to say, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. But, um... He got super excited. He got, yeah. super, <laughs> he got super excited about it, and he said, is it... Does it need contrast? Is it on a clear background? Is it on a white background? Yeah, I said, he no, was this like is all, all about it. He was, was like, all oh. about it. And he's, I said, it's, it's, it's orange, but it's on a white background. So anywhere can, you want. Anywhere you want to put it. And so he takes it and he walks around the back of the car and asks one of the mechanics, is this going to be in the way? And the guy's like, no. And he just takes it off and slaps it right on the back of his car. And just like that, we were a race sponsor. <laughs> on the same picture as the, as the slogan, I'm just... Uh, yeah, it's right next uh, to the Drive Yourself Happy logo. Yeah, you've got a sandwich between uh, Mercedes Roundel and the Drive Yourself Happy No better sticker. place. Now, now, grand scheme of things, on an entire car, it's on the back, below the spoiler, and it's a three and a half inch sticker. Mm -hmm. Exactly three people probably saw it uh -huh. as it was going around the track, and it was us because we knew it was there. Heck but yeah. but, but you, we knew it was if there. If you knew it was there, it was even without any kind of optics, very visible from the top of the, of the hill by the keyhole. It was, truly. Yeah, you, know, you could definitely see it was there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So just absolutely made our weekend. Um, so Marillo Racing... Jeff Mosing. Mosing Motor Cars. Mosing Motor Cars. Yeah. Thank you so, so much. Um, we'll, be, we'll be in touch. We'll be in touch. Um, so I'm still so looking for that merch. We got uh, some thanks to give out to you, uh, you know, on the personal level. And, uh, I mean, it was, it was 
huge for me personally and also for us. I uh, know it, it was we were walking away and Andrew held his hand out. He was like, "Look at my hand." And his hand was like shaking. <laughs> like literally shaking. He was shaking with excitement. So that was that just made our weekend um it didn't I, work. I, I, it, it did, actually, you know what? We got to mention the car started 22nd and Jeff Mosing and his co-driver Eric Foss did a fantastic job. Yeah, they worked it. They worked it, avoided some trouble, Whew. stayed out of trouble. And brought it home ninth from twenty second to ninth. Hell so yeah! So a thirteen place jump in a two hour race. I'm not gonna say we had anything to do with it, but well, I, actually, guys, I I, was, I did some hard math. The sticker added one half mile per gallon in the fuel mileage. Definitely. It added about sixty to sixty five pounds of rear downforce, <laughs> and roughly a dozen extra horsepower. I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. And it doesn't break BOP, so you know. It doesn't break BOP. If you own a racing team. <laughs> if you own a racing team, you're looking for a quick buck. We got lots of stickers to go you around. Cover right? them in the car, and you've got a you know world record holder. That's right. You can go to Bonneville with it. Screw yep. IMSA. <laughs> so we, we had the access, and um, we had such great success with that. Nick thought that maybe he'd try it with a second car on the next day. Yeah, I was. Well, it worked the first time. We were one for one. We were batting a thousand. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, let's just shoot for the stars here and let's go to the prototype class, like the top class in IMSA on the Sunday race. Yeah, they weren't having it. Um, The Flexbox prototype. The the, the core um, motorsport, core autosport car, which this is not a knock on them. We're not calling them out in that way. Oh, hell no. We we were batting way above our level just by asking Jeff Mosing to, uh, just by merely approaching him. Yeah. So this is not a knock on core. Um, thank you for letting us talk with you on Hell the grid yeah. core. That was that was fun. Classic. But they also have a very similar orange in their car to our logo. Orange and white. Orange and white. So um, I asked one of the guys, you know, what are the odds? What are the chances? And his exact response was, as he was vigorously shaking his head so um we're one for two on the weekend but one was really all we needed i'm just gonna say they didn't get a ninth place finish are you throwing shade at him now i'm just saying they didn't get a ninth place finish there's no judgment attached to that just facts there probably aren't even nine cars in the class they didn't get a ninth place finish that's all i'm saying or 13 cars in the class. All joking aside, if anybody wants one of these stickers, if you're local, if you know us, just you know, drop drop us a line, <laughs> ask. If you're not, and you want one... For your race car. You know, for your race car, for your personal car, for your helmet, for the back of your MacBook, um, they're nice round white orange stickers. We've got photos of them. Um, we will definitely send you one. You don't even need to send us a self-addressed stamped envelope. We, we will send it to you. For sure. Just get in touch with us, give us your mailing address, and we'll send one off to you. And as you're getting in touch with us, too, just uh, take a second to go look up Mosing Motor, motor Cars as well um, and yeah. Marilla Racing, see what those guys are up to, because they're obviously really cool people to work with, and we want to give... They are. <laughs> that so, they really are. Um, absolutely. Um, what else do we got? We got access, viewing, consent, blah, blah, blah. How about the, let's move into the next bucket here. Let's move into the uh, wow factor real quick. Anything that really initial impressions walking in like, whoa. I, yes, because um, when we first got in, you see this kind of car park tent RV city. But it's not actually inside the track. Yeah. <laughs> I never remembered that the whole weekend. Where you park, <laughs> due to the interior size of the track being so restricted, the inside's all camping. So you park on the outside. 
And while it looks very impressive, it's annoying to navigate. <laughs> a little bit. Because <laughs> you, you end up parking at the farthest possible, uh, the most remote location compared to where you want to be. Especially if you're general admission. If you have like a ticket to a grandstand seat or something, like an assigned seat, you can go other spots. True, yeah. but paddock, the grandstands are passes. even farther. Yeah, they're further away yeah. though. They're definitely further away. I would say wow factor for me, you know, I haven't been a racing fan my whole life, but I jumped into the sports car racing with two feet when I did get on that train. Mm-hmm. And Mid-Ohio is a name that we mentioned in our, our preview podcast. It comes and goes. It's there. It's not there. And it's kind of, you know, legendary. Like It comes out of the mist every 10 years. And, <laughs> you know, and so there was a little bit of a wow factor. I'm like, oh, I finally lined up. All the stars aligned. I'm going to Mid-Ohio finally after hearing about it for 12 years. Mm-hmm. So that there was kind of a wow factor for me. It's not, you know, like the wow factor we mentioned we were describing it in our uh, races episode where it's like oh it's it's such a large track it's a you know you, you, amazing architecture or what have you it's you know it's a it's a smallish road course in ohio mm-hmm. you know that doesn't seem like a lot but it's a, kind of a near legendary status because because of its fleeting nature okay um yeah i i think in my my view is kind of skewed just because of some of the other tracks i've been to i really didn't get a whole wow factor out of it sure but also I'm comparing that to Indianapolis and Daytona and places like that. So it's not a knock on Mid Ohio, but there it wasn't. There wasn't anything when I first got there that was like very, you know, first impression grandiose about it. Yeah, no, nothing, nothing visual, nothing auditory. Other than like I said, I saw the gates and I was like, "Ooh, I'm finally here! Finally!" Like that <laughs> right. was that was that was the excitement. That was the wow factor for me. Was you know having it finally appear. So two yeses and a no, or you were kind of in the middle. I'm kind of in the middle because I think while we didn't explicitly say it in this section, the one wow factor we all had was, wow, that's small. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. And, um, well, obviously, wow, that's really an off-camber corner, stuff like that. But I, there's no grandiose no. nature to Mid-Ohio, and that's <laughs> not bad. It's not a bad thing. Pomp and circumstance, no. Sense of mystery, Maybe. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. There is something very much real about the track itself. And as, as far as a m- sense of mystery, it's also a sense of mystery to drive by with all the elevation changes and off cambers and like right yeah. where you want to put the power on is where the car is at its lightest and you have the least amount of grip in some spots. So that leads us into like the raceability. Was it fun to watch a race there? I don't know. And I only say that because there was some good racing. There was some very bland racing. Oof, that first Super Trofeo. Oh, I, mean, I don't think anybody passed anyone. The only time something <laughs> happened, uh, someone lost a wheel. And three, which happened a lot. Three someones lost a wheel. <laughs> no, that was the second race. One lost one in the first race. True, true. Um, I, I guess my, my conflict in is it good racing is that we had some fantastic racing in both the WeatherTech series and the Conti series in that down-to-the-wire finishes. Yes. I mean, yes. what what was the actual lead in WeatherTech? 0. 0.7 seconds or something for like the, that? For the GT Daytona class, for one class, they were nose to tail at the yeah. line. Yeah, it yeah. was yeah. awesome. And we thought the Acura might get him. Like, was he was trying. Close. He was very close. close. Yeah. But... And, and watching, you know, like the Patron... Uh, <laughs> the Patron... Uh, ESM... 
ESM Patron cars. Nissan. Yeah. They that had, dude was on a mission. Well, they had <laughs> down into four. Both of those drivers, I don't know who discovered it first, they discovered if you did an extreme late break, you had a perfect setup for the next corner, and you didn't lose anything. And they were the only team to figure it out. So they would come down that straight into four. Perform, like, a, perform a brake demolition. Like demons. Every lap. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they would get someone every lap. That was fun to see. Yep. Yeah, and there was a, a They little... were braking, like, to the tune of hundreds of feet later than anybody else. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then going the other side on the exit of that, going into the S's complex, you had... People with very different ideas about when to get back on the power, <laughs> probably true. based on you know layout, engine and drive layout. Um, well, that, I'm know, thinking of that WeatherTech Ferrari who was ready to do a Grand Theft Auto on the guy in front of <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, and then that was a Porsche. So yeah, I think you're, right. you're, you're talking about you very know, different when we talk configurations. About, yeah, when we talk about in our again in our you know racing episode, you've got different places where different cars make their speed. Mm-hmm. Um, and generally, Porsches, hey, small, light, pretty fast, but they make most of their speed in the tight stuff. Not here. No. If if you got yeah. a re- if you've got a rear or even a mid-engine rear-drive car, and you've got a downhill off-camber turn after going uphill, it's going to want to do a little bit of ballet on the other side of that corner. Yeah. And it's not where the Porsches are happy. And Absolutely it's not. it's you know you get the big heavy front-engine cars. The you know true mid-engine Ferraris things like that those are a little even a little happier there and yeah they're giving them the old bump and run you know twice like in you one, know, in in twice corner. in one corner he's you know oh, very he was so mad yeah very different <laughs> ideas about again when to get on the power that was always exciting are they gonna fight through that who's gonna actually be in front the next time they come around is he gonna get them you know there there was some good racing and despite you know some you know argy uh, bargy. As our as our friends in the uh, booth always say, um, it was clean. I think we had caution free race on caution free race yeah, entirely. Two impressive. hours and forty five minutes of no full course yellows, pure unadulterated racing by really good racing drivers. Yeah, and in a place that seemed tight, you thought it was going to be a shit show. Yeah, you're like, well, I this did. is going to be a mess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nine that that but then nine eleven was just a train. Right. And yep. Nine eleven and super so travail. boring. And yeah. that's and that's the problem is I think some of these races where a lot of them are more am or pro am. This is a really hard track, and where you um, qualify is where you're going to finish. Yeah, because you're not going to want to wreck the car that you've paid to drive in this weekend, and you know. Okay, let's try to make up as much as we can in qualifying, but I'm not gonna push it with you know too much traffic out here, and that did result in some pretty snoozy um, the, the devel- feed, development the, series. Yeah, races. the feed, oh, yeah. the feeder races didn't put on too much of a show, unfortunately. Um, but the, yeah, the the big boys and girls they 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 put on a show for us, and it was clean too. Um, so raceability check check plus thumbs up. I mean, it has to be a yes, doesn't it? Because in when there is a race to be had, the racing's great. Yes. Yes. If you have a situation where no one is willing to race, it can be boring, but that's not on the track. That's, that's on the drivers. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yep. So three three thumbs up on the raceability. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to going back whenever it shows up in the schedule again. Hopefully yeah. it's, hopefully they don't just drop it again. But Yeah, I would be very pleased to see it on the schedule for next year. Yeah. I think if you've got Acura well invested you're probably going to see that track again it's a really good point yeah that is, uh, yeah good <laughs> there it's their home track a lot of that's produced in ohio and they so. finished with a one two in the prototype class at yeah. their home and track so one, that was that was one pretty... three in one of the gts right 
Um, uh, the Acura was second, so and I think two, fourth, or second yeah, and fourth. Yeah, yeah two so, and yeah. four, I think. So yeah. it was one, two in one class, and two, four in another, so a very strong showing at the Super home track for, for Acura, which was cool to see. Yeah. Um, that just about does it. A very positive experience at mm-hmm. Mid-Ohio. Thank you to Mid-Ohio. Thank you again to um, Marilla Racing, Mosing Motor Cars, Jeff and Eric, um, and team for making our lives yeah <laughs> yeah right so um, yeah this was an experience all in all with that being just absolutely the cherry on the experience we have it's, video it's, of this too by the way that we're editing and we're going to get it up we will on get social. that up as well yeah. um that's a whole jar of cherries on the sunday that was mid-ohio um it, thank you thank you mid-ohio for being an experience that reminds me why i go do this versus one of those experiences experiences where afterwards I get done, I go, why do I do this? Yeah, right. And you know what? Strong, I strongly recommend from all of us, top to bottom, accommodations, towns, the track. Go see Mid-Ohio. Yeah, if you get you a, got chance. a chance to go, go. Especially if you're in the Midwest. It's close. We, we've tried to avoid comparisons to this in the past, but much like comments from a certain... Um, car television series with three British men, it's hard to get us all to agree on something. <laughs> and we can all agree on Road America... And very little else. The fact that we all had a positive experience, I think it's, it speaks well for Mid Ohio. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think we've thanked enough people. We don't need to go around and do thank yous this time. No, we're, no. we're so obviously we thank you, the listeners, for tuning in. Um, even if we suck, you guys are awesome. Um, we want to talk with you though, not just talk at you. So please go find us on social. We're on Facebook at Check Engine Podcast. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Check Engine Pod. Obviously, you can find us. At checkenginepodcast.com is our website. Um, our email is inbox at checkenginepodcast.com, or you can reach either one of us individually, Nick, Tristan, or Andrew, at checkenginepodcast.com. We are being broadcast all over the place. Uh, we just got added to Radio Public a couple weeks ago. In addition to Spotify, um, iTunes, Google Play, Pocket Cast, Overcast, every place that basically shows or streams podcasts, you can find us there. Um, with that being said, I think it's about time we shut this one down. So thank you so much for listening and we will catch you guys again later. Later. Later.